I do really, really believe if you put in the work and you work your ass off, it does turn and things do start coming your way. Like I, I reckon I worked my ass off a lot of my career and I never ever saw anything for it. But the habits that I learned of just like not giving up and keep going, keep going, keep going. When I finished footy, they kept going and now it's working for me. That's Dill Buckley. He's a former AFL player whose life has gone down a path he never imagined. Since his school days, Dill believed he was destined to play professional footy and that belief turned into a reality when he was swept into the league as a teenager. Made every team, I was captain of every team, got drafted, everything just worked out and I just thought that that was how things were always going to go. Soon you realise, you know, like lots of their up and downs. With his self-worth totally wrapped up in his on-field performance, he found himself struggling to keep it together when he wasn't playing up to his standards and didn't know who he was beyond the game. I thought that if I was playing good footy, then I was a good bloke. And I thought that if I was playing shit footy, then I was a bad person. Eventually, he was delisted by Carlton. And having put all his eggs in one basket, there was no backup plan to turn to. Dill was soon picked up by another club, only to be delisted again. But by that time, he discovered an unlikely passion that would lead him on to bigger and better things, becoming the host of what's now one of the top podcasts in Australia, Dill and Friends. It's just like the community, man. Like the community that I've been so lucky to be able to build and, and the people that listen to the show. His 20s have been a roller coaster of self-discovery and it turns out he's not who he thought he always had to be. He's better. I am the luckiest person in the world. Like I do actually feel like that. Welcome to Young Blood, an award-winning podcast on a mission to make the mental health of young men a top priority. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our platform to open up and share stories of what we've been through because we're not alone. Let's do it. This episode has been made possible by Kookaburra Homes, the home builder that cares about the community. Kookaburra is big on investing in local projects that better our society and is an awesome supporter of Youngblood's mission to improve the lives of young men and everyone in their lives by opening up these conversations that we need to have. Dill, your dad was a, a Carlton star in the uh, 70s and 80s. Was there always a bit of an expectation that you were going to follow in his footy boots? Um, I, I really get, I do get this question a bit and it's, it's always a funny one because it makes me think and no, there, there really wasn't. Um, I, I didn't even play footy until I was um, about seven or eight years old and even when I was playing, um, which seven or eight is, is actually quite young, but it was, you know, just through me going off my own bat and playing with, with people from my primary school um, and I, I didn't know that my dad even played footy professionally till I was you know, nearly in high school. I just thought that everyone's dad played footy and that was just, you know, how it worked and yeah, right. um, and everything. So, yeah, like my old man never really put any pressure on me whatsoever and um, to, to perform or play footy, which which is, is funny because a lot of those sports parents do. Okay, yeah, because I guess he would have been playing, obviously, before you were born, so it wasn't like the situation where you were going and watching the games and that sort of thing. So what, did yeah. someone just say, oh, yeah, you, your old man used to be pretty good and you didn't even know? Yeah, well, I knew it was something special when, like, I could always get, like, room passes to, like, the footy. Right. And I remember my mates being like, how are you, like, getting down the rooms all the time? And <laughs> then after that, I'd realised that there was, like, you know, some connections there. And I think until I sp probably got a little bit older, like, you know, that 13, 14, when you start getting serious about your footy, um, you realise, oh, okay, there was actually a connection here. And, you know, I, I was get going down to the club regularly with him. And, and, and yeah, really, really blessed and, and really lucky to be able to do some awesome awesome things at a young age that not many kids would have been able to do so 
um, yeah, incredibly grateful for all those opportunities. And, um, you know, looking back now, it's definitely been a, a massive blessing for me and, and helped me get to, to where I am today. When did you start thinking you were going to play AFL or did you start telling uh, your schoolmates you were going to play AFL? <laughs> this, it sounds really, really um, arrogant in a way, but I think there was never a time when I didn't think that I was going to do it. Yeah. Like, I think that it was just in my brain and, and it wasn't because... It wasn't because I thought I was like the best. It was just like, that was all I thought was going to happen. There was like no other, there was just, it wasn't an option to not happen sort of thing. And Like nothing um, existed outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing existed outside of that. And I think to this day, um, I look back now and that's probably been one of the biggest uh, blessings, but also one of the biggest learning curves in my life because I grew up in a quite a sheltered um life you know like i grew up in a really loving family um you know we didn't we didn't come from from money or anything like that but um i you know i went to school with my friends i lived in the same area i went to a school 10 minutes down the road went to carlton which was 10 minutes down the road and until i was like 21 i just hadn't faced any adversity like my whole life just went like literally as it was planned like i made every team i was captain of every team got drafted everything just worked out and I just thought that that was how things were always going to go. Yeah. And soon you realise, you know, like life's about up and downs. If you don't have them, you don't really have anything. Yeah, I guess. And then you're not developing that resilience either because you haven't been tested in that way through no fault yeah. of your own. I mean, young people aren't going to ask for life to throw them curveballs and, and test them. Um, it's just sort of something that happens. But if you can go quite a while sometimes without it happening, but then obviously it's inevitable that it will happen at some point. If you, if you haven't sort of trained that muscle, then it's going to hit you harder. Um, one, one funny point on that though, I actually went to school with Rory Laird. He was in my uh, year at school and uh, I remember being in like year nine history class or something with him and the teacher would be like Rory where's your homework and he, and he would just say oh I didn't do it I'm gonna play AFL <laughs> and everyone would be like Rory you're a dickhead he's like I'm gonna be all Australian it doesn't matter and he, and he did it and I was like yeah. he was actually he was actually a really good dude like really good natured guy but it's just like hilarious when he'd do that I'm, I'm a massive fan of mindset and and how people do their things and I, and I truly do believe like if you put something in your mind and you fully wholeheartedly believe it like things happen and yeah. and i think that you know for him that worked really well yeah <laughs> but for me i realized quickly that i needed balance and and i probably wasn't as resilient um as i would have liked to be when i was younger but as you said you've got to go through um ups and downs to then you know learn and train that muscle because it's a muscle it is a muscle in your brain and it's a habit and it's it's, it's like it's not like you you become resilient and then you're resilient for the rest of your life. No. Like you've, you've got to keep like keep at it. And um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you're right though. It, it is, it is massive like that. Like I love hearing stories about people that are like so determined and they just go like, yeah, no, I'm doing this and they do it because they don't give themselves another option. Mm, absolutely. When do you feel like you were tested then for the first time or did you sort of realize that, Hey, uh, I don't actually just get a free pass to coast through everything and this is actually a bit of a, a challenge. Do you remember feeling like that the first time? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think when I first – I signed with Carlton when I was in year 11. So, like, I remember just basically just giving up at school, just being exactly what you would have said there and just being like, no, I don't need this. This is for losers. Like, you know, I'm going to play footy next year. Just going to chill out and – I'll go play 300 games and, um, you know, I signed a three-year deal when I was 17 years old and you've got guaranteed income. 
looking back now, like easily the worst thing that ever happened because like I was just not the worst thing that happened, but how else are you meant to think when you're like that young and you just think that like the, you just you just assume things are going to happen for you? Yeah. Well, and, especially um, when they have this whole way. Like, yeah. The evidence has been that, that that will be the case and you're just kissed on the yeah. dick. So good for you. Literally. Yeah. Literally. And um, yeah, I think like just when I got there, like it was a, you know, I signed a three-year deal. My first year, I just waited. I just thought, oh, okay, it's not my time now. Things will come and things will happen for me. Um, I played one game in my second year. Didn't play another game, that whole thing. And then I got to my third, you know, the off-season of my second off-season going into my third, into my last year. And I think that they actually wanted to put me on the rookie list and, like, delist me because I still had a contract. But they were, like, going to delist me and put me on the rookie list. And I remember going, oh, fuck, like, this, that doesn't sound, that's not the plan. Like, I thought, like, you know, next year things were just going to work out and I was old enough. And I remember Heath Scotland grabbed me one day and he just, like, you know, gave me a really, um, and, you know, something that I'm forever in debt because it was probably the first piece of feedback I ever really received. And that sounds silly being in an AFL club. And maybe I did receive feedback earlier, but I'm a big believer in sometimes you don't listen to the things you need to listen to until you listen to it. Yeah. And, like, you need, it, you need to be ready to hear it. Yeah. And he just said, mate, like, you know, if you don't pull your finger out of your ass, in, in lack for better terms, you're going to be out the door. And um, you're going to be that bloke that sits in a bar and says, you know, it could have been this, could have been that, could have been everything. And, you know, I wasn't training hard enough. I wasn't doing anything. And he really took me under his wing and, and taught me, you know, work ethic. And, and and I'm not sitting here today saying that turned me around into becoming the best player that I've ever become. And I played 300 games because, you know, evidently I didn't. But that chat has set me up so much for life because no matter what happened from then, even though things didn't go my way sometimes and injuries came and I got delisted and got delisted again. It set me up for like just this nothing in life is given to you and and you cannot, no one can do anything for you but yourself. Like you, if you want to get things done, it's up to you. And that, that that's as, as harsh as that is, like you can have the best support networks in the world, which I do, but if it's to be, it is up to me. And like I realised that straight away that that was something that was a massive, massive role player in, in, my, in my life and I think, you know, post-football now, looking at that, they're probably, you know, fast-forwarding a lot. And I might, like, we might get to this later, but the most proud of myself I've ever been is the way I've been able to exit the game and not let all of these things set me, all of these setbacks define me. I've, let, I've just used them as motivation to keep going. Mm. Yeah, how much did you struggle to separate yourself from <clears throat> footy, from just being, oh, I'm Dylan, I play footy? You know, how tough was that for you to be able to not just define yourself by how good you were at, at kicking the ball and, and actually grow beyond that while still being, you know, while still having the game pay the bills? Mm. Oh, man, I was terrible at it, to be honest. And I don't think, I don't think even footy versus person, you know, we talk about person versus persona. Mm. Um, you know, I speak about that a lot. I love that argument because I don't think it's just footy players. I think it's everyone. I think it's what people do for work. It's what people do. Well, that's for, like the first you know, question we ask life. a lot of the time, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, what, what do you do for, for yeah. a job? And, and, and it's very much sort of you, you are whatever it is that you do and sort of put in yeah. that box. And it can be hard to not be defined by that, especially if it's something that sounds good on paper, you know, like being a AFL footy player or a lawyer or whatever you reckon uh, sounds good. It's hard not just, just become that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's what it was, man. You know, I rode the waves. I was, don't get me wrong, I was absolutely wrapped about it. I was an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old AFL player. 
you know, you, you think you're, you're shit hot, you're killing it. But I think the really tough times for me in terms of that, in terms of that, maybe that mental side of things and, and self-discovery and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, I, I thought that if I was playing good footy, then I was a good bloke. And I thought that if I was playing shit footy, then I was a bad person. Mm. And that was, that was really tough because, you know, I really, I honestly do think that I'm a good person. Like I, I you know, I know I am a good person. I've, I have good intentions um, everything I do, no, I do have good intentions with that. But it's really hard if you are getting judged on performance, you do become that person and, and, and fans and, and people, um, you know, they don't know you and they're judging you on your performance, which is fine. It's a judgment industry. I'm not sitting here now saying that we shouldn't be judging sports people because 100% we should and that's something that comes with the caper. But the sports players and, and um, athletes, they need to be better. And now with all the training in and around, there's so many clubs and athletes have training and separating themselves from their performance because it is, it's so tiresome. You know, it's like taking your work home with you all the time. And that was honestly the worst thing for me in playing footy. Like I hated, and to be honest, it wasn't even me. You know, I would go out on weekends and people would come up to me and they go, oh, what's this bloke like? He seems like the biggest flog in the world. How shit is he? And I'm like, that bloke is like one of the best blokes you've ever met in your life. Like, you know, you, you you see someone that wins a Brownlow and think they're a good person. I'm telling you, a lot of the time it's actually quite different. Like, not not generalising these things, but, um, you know, some of the best players I've played with, they're not bad people, but, like, there's a lot of guys that, you know, guys and girls that I've, I've worked with as well that aren't the best but they're just incredible people so that was a really big annoyance for me and that honestly was actually the reason i really wanted to get into the podcast side of things to interview these people because i was like fuck i know these people are so cool i just want you to be able to see them the way i do yeah that's fantastic because the public doesn't see professional athletes as people you know outside of their skills and what they're like on the field that's how they're judged and like you said that that comes with the territory but of course, ever they're all they're all people. They're all struggling. They're all going through the same sort of things as many others. But it's so much more amplified, mm. and it's like being scrutinised on that level when you've got your yeah your day job is to kick a footy, and people always go like oh you know all they do is kick the footy, and they still can't slot it. Like yeah. if I yeah. played AFL and I just kicked a footy all day, I'd I'd kick a bag every week. <laughs> like well, you don't play AFL footy, so yeah, that's yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, of course they're um. They're just people. And then the other side of it is they're held up as uh, supposedly having to be role models, especially for young men. A lot of the time when they're very young men themselves. And so we see them make mistakes that a lot of young men make and then they're judged so harshly for it or even lose their careers over it because there's also this idea that if you're great at playing this game that we all uh, lord and, and put on a pedestal, then you also have to be like this superman idol who never puts a foot wrong uh and and that's pretty unfair as well especially for really young blokes who don't even know who they are and you just chuck a bunch of money in front of them and uh, a whole lot of status and then you know it's the perfect storm really a lot of the time i think it's in, incredible that so many of them do so well to not not fall apart yeah it's it is tough like you Look at yourself growing up. I'm sure you know you might you might have made some mistakes that you weren't too happy about. I know I have, and I know yes, every single I still am. Makes that. <laughs> yeah, and, and so am I. I think when uh, it's it's really, and again, I'm not making excuses for footballers because we're uh, footballers in my terms, but athletes in general. 
um, because you are absolutely blessed and I, I know each and every one of them are so grateful for the opportunity. But in saying that as well, you look at any, um, you know, 18 to 25 year old that's, you know, out there in, in the general public, everyone makes mistakes and, and it is very heightened when you're playing sport. I don't think that um, there's ever going to be a balance of that because I do feel like, you know, when you are a sportsman, you are so lucky to be in that opportunity. You have to make the most of it. But to think that people are never going to make mistakes is, is stupid. Mm. And when you were playing that weight of expectation over those years, because did it end up being eight years you know, in the league for? Eight years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that six at Carlton, um, where I suppose you first come into the league and you've had people in your, year, in your ear for years saying, you know, you're a star, you're going to be great you're going to play all the time and then initially it doesn't quite go to plan and then you have year on year where you're sort of waiting to hit your straps or waiting for it to all come together but it never really does um what's it like trying to manage you know those those voices around you those people who start to see like oh he's you know he's not gonna win a brownlow or whatever did you find those voices started to change or were you really conscious of what other people thought or was it your own internal monologue that you sort of struggled with the most yeah i think i was my own worst enemy to be honest i never really cared too much about what the external was saying and realistically as well like when i was actually playing afl um I wasn't really copying any hate from the media, the media, because I wasn't like big enough to do that. Yeah. And and majority of the fans actually liked me, so which was weird enough. It was actually the 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 pressure I actually just put on myself. Um. And and as I said earlier, I, I didn't handle feedback good enough. I I probably look at it now, and as a young kid, I just you know I would have just gone like, oh, this isn't my fault, you know these guys have got it out for me, you know, this is how it is. Yeah. But realistically, as I said earlier, um, no matter even if they do have it out for you, all you can control is your own your own actions. Mm. Um, and one of my favourite, favourite quotes, which, you know, I learned this sort of when I when I moved to Sydney and had a bit of a revelation when it came to, when it came to mindset was, it's not what happens, it's how you react to it. Like it's any, you can have the best situation or the worst situation, um, but if you, sorry, if you, you can have the worst situation and be negative and it's going to make it worse, or you can have the worst situation and be positive and somehow find something out of it. So yeah, I, I feel like now, yeah, yeah. One of my biggest strengths and is that I can find something in every situation that I can just take out of, no matter how bad it is, I can always just go, you know, I, I've gone through some really weird things and some like don't get me wrong 99 of the things are negative but i can always go well fuck, you know this is somewhat of a positive out of it and again that's that's a muscle that you have to train and you have to go through some struggles and then you have to also consciously choose to view things that way and train yourself to respond in that manner because it doesn't necessarily come naturally um it's a, it, it is a training thing man it is such a training thing and i think that anyone that can think like this don't and as i said earlier a lot of these things aren't like it's not for life i'm going to think like that like there could be ebbs and flows where i go back down into it it's like a continual thing you've got to stay on top of every day like i have negative thoughts and i try and catch it back into no nah, this is what it is and i think when i first started doing this say i had like 10 negative thoughts in a day i used to catch out one but then like a week later i'd start catching out two then two weeks later i'd start catching out three and then 
by the end of it, like every time I, you know, nine times out of 10, I can catch myself out and be like, no, nah, come on, let's fucking fire up here. What are you, let's find yeah, a solution. So you, let's not complain. You're consciously reconditioning yourself and then yeah. that becomes a habit slowly, but it's a really tough thing to do that um, takes a lot of discipline to sort of change those thought patterns. Um, when did you first become consciously aware of your mental health and start actually you know, thinking about it? I think a, a big, big step for me in life was when I got delisted from Carlton. And it wasn't it wasn't the delisting that rattled me at all because I was actually really sweet to, to leave. I was actually like, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm ready to move on and do something different. Um, one thing that about me is I, I don't play football anymore. Um, that's not because I'm upset with the game or anything it's just it's actually not my favorite thing in the world like i did it because i was good at it and i sort of used my eight years as a nearly as a uni degree to work out what i wanted to do next yeah but i think in that period there when i left carlton after that six years i've always been really big on being proactive and i left the game and i was like fuck i literally have no idea what i want to do i don't know where my next bill is going to come from my next um paycheck's coming from I have no idea what direction I want to go with in my life. And that was like probably the toughest sort of two month period because I was really disappointed with myself that like I hadn't done more to, to work out what it was that I wanted to do post football. And I just remember just sitting there going, you know, if I ever get the other next chance again, if I ever get the chance again, I'm going to not, I'm not going to let this opportunity slip, not in terms of football, but I was like, I'm not going to let the opportunity slip to work out what is next for me. Mm. Um, so I just remember those two months of just like being at home. I had my mortgage like coming in. You know, I was like far out, like what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it was a really, really tough time. Um, but I look back now and it was like single-handedly the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me, it, it installed that like fear into me and it installed that nearly like that fight or flight. And I think in that time I could have gone, oh, poor me, you know, I got delisted, you know, the world's against me again, the world's against me. But instead I was just like, you know what, fuck this, let's get on with it, let's move on. Mm. Um, I caught like, you know, got to the Giants and and yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, so it lit that lit that fire and actually the first time that you sort of stared into the abyss and realised that actually you weren't just going to be taken care of for life uh, and that all things, I suppose, come to an end and then you have to ask, who, who am I now and what am I going to do and... You're, I think the most important thing for you is you understood that it was down to you, it was your responsibility and that you had the power to be able to make whatever the next next move needed to be. Uh, and I think that's the first step that we all have to take is we have to accept responsibility and know that we can complain all we want or blame others all we want, but at the end of the day, you've got to say, well, it's still up to me to, to change something or not change something. And I think that, you know, that's why you deserve the, the credit when you persist and things go well and, and, and it all works out. And uh, you, know, you have to put that pressure on yourself as well, and it's sort of both sides of the coin. When you talk to a lot of AFL players now, obviously with the podcast, what do you find those guys struggle with a lot? Is there some consistent patterns in that or what do you see in players now that now that you're not one um i think it might just be like obviously people would understand how full-on afl is but i i think until you're actually in afl you don't realize how full-on like 
a week can be and how scrutinized and the feedback that you get like every single part of your day is just screw it's 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 getting better but you've got to be willing to accept these things it's you know you could have done this better you're not at the right weight you've got to learn how to do this better you got to do this it's, it's pretty much just breaking players down the whole time um so i think that you know i definitely did as a young guy i started thinking oh my god i'm not good at anything anymore like i thought i was good at these things but um yeah there's nothing i'm really good at but you speak to the best players and i actually did a podcast today with this morning with Paddy Cripps, Lockie Neal, Matt Rao and Tom Mitchell. And the four thing, like they all said the same thing. And I didn't do this when I played, but they all said, don't like, we're all so conditioned to think about what we're not good at, but all they do is focus on what they are good at. And they just, all they do is train their strengths. And I was the opposite. I was like, oh God, well, I'm already good at, I'm, all, I'm okay at this. I need to get all my deficiencies better. Whereas, um, I think that a lot of players, yeah, you worry about your deficiencies too much, whereas the best players, all they do is worry about what they're really, really good at. And if you're really, really good at it, then you don't have to worry too much about the other stuff. And then that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Do you find you're able to do that in your life now? Yes, I do, definitely. I think that I'm so, so blessed with what I, with my footy career because I think it's it's really set me up in terms of the way – I can probably take on feedback now and the way that, you know, not everyone's going to like the podcast, not everyone's going to agree with, with things, but all I have to do is know that, all right, if I'm doing my best and I try my hardest, then that's all I can do. And I think in, in life, um, one thing I've learned and like, I hate getting to, you know, I'm not a philosopher, but I, I do really, really believe if you put in the work and you work your ass off, it does turn and things do start coming away. Like I, I reckon I worked my ass off a lot of my career and I never ever saw anything for it. But the habits that I learned of just like not giving up and keep going, keep going, keep going. When I finished footy, they kept going and now it's working for me. Yeah, um, you apply it to the other areas of life. I think part of that as well was being able to be actually honest with yourself. I think that's one of the hardest things sometimes is to... Uh, call yourself on your own bullshit sometimes as well because we can tell ourselves, oh, yeah, I'm working hard or I'm focused on the right things or, you know, whatever, this habit that I've got isn't a problem. But it's just you justifying stuff to yourself. And a lot of the time, I think deep down, we know. We know when we have to change something or we have to put in more effort uh, um, and we we can be really good at, at pretending to ourselves that, um, you know, that that's that's not true and we... We're doing everything that we can, but I think when you really are, you really know it, and that's when things sort of come to you, and it seems like all things go your way more, or you're putting out the right sort of energy without those distractions, and then stuff starts to materialize. Um, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons, but uh, I think just because we've had some experience with living that way, and and you're obviously happy now, and so many good things are happening to you, but I'm sure you probably still feel like you have to uh, stay on the ball, so to speak, or or watch yourself. Um, how do you find your sort of uh, thinking around mental health and your own need to maintain your mental health is is different now from when you played? Um, it's yeah, it's I, you know when I played, my mental health was a lot around performance anxiety, like more in terms of like on field sort of stuff, and like 
you know, not getting the best out of myself and I'm so busy. Like, yeah, yeah. I literally, I do not give myself any time to just chill out. Like, I, I, I honestly, and I'm not saying this in a way to bump myself up, but it's just a, a thing. Like, I, I, I am a bit addicted to like working because I love it so much. Yeah. And that's actually, and I was having a chat with, with someone about this the other day. I think in all really, really successful people in the world, and I'm not saying I'm one of these people, but I think you have to be a little bit crazy sometimes. So it's like finding the balance between like absolutely going ham and like dedicating yourself to something and going as hard as you can, but then also having the skills to go, all right, I need to step back now and chill out. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think that I really have those skills yet. Like I'm not, I'm really not great at switching off. Um, you know, I'll be at, like, I was up this morning, as I said, um, did a podcast with, with these five guys at, at 6am, um, been back in the office now of doing this podcast with you. I've got Kate Simpson coming in straight after, and then I've got some other stuff after that. And yeah. that's just like one, one, one day of sort of work. But I, I just think that, yeah, at the moment I've got to get a lot better at, um, at managing my time and, and giving myself time to to relax as well. Um, I actually see a psychologist once a week. I'm actually not seeing them because I'm having issues with anything. It's just more, I'm seeing them to stay on top of myself and yeah. I'm seeing them to just go like, this is what I'm going through. And they give like every week my, um, my psych, she gives me like the best skills just to like refine things and, and work on things because um, in my podcast, you know, I love mental health. I speak about that a lot. And I was like, well, you know, if I'm giving everyone these messages, how can I not go and do it myself? Yeah, I know. So I, yeah, I see someone once a week and just, just to keep on top of things, I, I seriously just get, it's so therapeutic for me to, to do this. And, um, you know, like anyone, I, I get really anxious sometimes, like, um, and, and she gives me some awesome techniques in just trying to calm myself and, and ground myself and breathing techniques and, and these type of things. But as I said earlier, um, about the habit of being, um, resilient, I don't have a habit of being able to relax yet. I suppose the the good part of that is that you found something that you love so much that all you want to do is is work at it. So it's definitely the right thing for you to be doing. But yeah, if you're like me, you can get to the point where you can't really switch the, the voice off in your head or you're, you're planning about whatever the next thing is going to be. And especially when it's based a lot around social media and posting things, there's always that side of things as well. And then you're thinking about this next conversation you're going to have or like where you're going to take your next thing and it ends up being like a bit sort of crazy up there. So I think oh, that's... And you, even, you were even saying before about the being honest to yourself, I think. And like for me, like you said, our, our jobs are a lot online and it's it's social, but how much of the time of when I'm on my phone am I posting about work versus mindlessly just scrolling through the internet? And yeah. it's like if I was honest with myself, it's way too much. And that's something that I know I have to get better at like, I, I genuinely feel that I do have an addiction to my phone, and I've said that a lot of times. Yeah, and I think that a lot. Of, I think a lot of people do. Like yeah, it's, definitely. It, it's scary. Yeah, and I guess you, you could be you can justify it to yourself and say, "Oh well, it's necessary." Yeah, I'm working. I'm working. It's part of your work or whatever. Uh, but then you can feel quite detached, I think, from life as well if you're not careful because you're always planning ahead, which is necessary to an extent. But you're either you know, looking at your phone or you're thinking about what you're going to do in the future and then you can struggle to be present and then that makes you sort of, well, I think not feel happy if you allow that to continue on. So I think, yeah, yeah. It just a lot of it comes down to 
knowing yourself and knowing that you've got to continue to do the work to look after yourself so you can keep functioning at that rate which sounds like you're doing it's great that you see a psychologist even though you, you don't consider yourself to have a specific issue at the moment and i think that's something sometimes we think oh we have to you know have a have a real problem before we go and see someone but i think that that maintenance and that preventative mental health side of things is so key uh, especially if you're trying to accomplish a lot and really push yourself because yeah you do you do really have to watch it uh you can't take it for granted or be complacent i find i'm the same way if i'm not covering my bases in terms of sleep and exercise and you know doing the right things in my spare time uh it all starts to sort of go downhill very fairly rapidly and then i've got to wise up and um the thing about that is it's it's really just you you're driving it and you know and uh other people don't don't really know um and a lot of the time we're not talking about you know whether you have some some big issue or things are uh, falling apart in a way that other people will notice but you always know that you could be doing better or you should be doing things to look after yourself and I think that's an important thing that we should think about when we're talking about uh, mental health because it's not just oh yeah you know, I, have, I have anxiety for example or, or depression or suicidal tendencies it's um, I want to get a lot out of my life and I know that I have to be taking care of myself at all times and actually put effort into that consciously which uh, yeah. sometimes you, you just can't be bothered doing, but then you, you always uh, you pay the price. Oh, for sure, man. You, you've got to take time out for it because I think it's – you're so right. You know, like when, when I did start making these appointments and I made it a regular thing, I actually said to myself, like, I am okay, like I'm good, but I reckon if I don't get on top of some a few things, it could spiral into something else. And yeah. I knew that, like, there, there probably was because I – when I first started doing this, I did, I just crashed completely. Like I was so tired. I was just so cooked, but yeah, I'm a really big believer in taking, you know, enormous sort of uh, empathy for other people. And when I feel sometimes, and I know some people don't agree with this, but I, I feel like it really helps me is everyone's got a story. Every, everyone's got things going on in their life no one has got their shit sorted out and i'm the biggest person like that as well like i do not have my shit together like at all but i take comfort in knowing that no one does and i think that that's something like the more you can realize that like hey we're all so like not right but that's okay to be not right don't think that it's not normal to not have good feelings sometimes because that is normal it's just if you know you don't look after yourself like you said you don't take time out to keep fit or you don't check in with your mates or you don't um, do these preventative tasks that you know you're spiraling out or you're drinking too much or you're hanging out with the wrong people that's when you need to start looking after yourself but I, I do think that you know be happy that sometimes you do feel shit because without feeling shit sometimes and actioning it you don't feel great when I go through really hard times I think right this is good because I know something really good is coming from this yeah I think it shows you the path as well because if you can if you can feel off or like you know if you're going to be honest with yourself that you're taking certain behaviors or not doing things that are leading you to feel a certain way then that's also revealing that you're straying from the path that you know you should be on which means that you know you have a path to follow that 
you need to go down in order to feel fulfilled and feel happy and, and give as much to the world as you possibly can, which is actually a great thing. Uh, you know, the old, you, you can't enjoy the sunshine without the rain. That's very true yeah. in so many different ways where um, you have to check yourself, but it, it also shows you, yeah, you care about your life and you care about wanting to get the most out of it. Uh, but you can never, when things are going really well, you never delude yourself into thinking that they'll just keep going well if you don't uh, put the effort in because, um, yeah, it, everyone has yeah. to, everyone has to, no matter what. Yeah, um, I really like the equilibrium part about, you know, it's, you, you never you're never ever going as good as you think and you're never going as bad as you think. And I think that's something that we all need to realize a lot better. You know, I'm, I, you know, I've gotten a lot better at this because in when I was younger, when good things happened, I thought I was king shit. And then when bad things happened, I thought I was the worst person in the world. Yeah. But now I go, look, it's not as bad as you think. Keep going. You'll be right. And when good things happen, I go, yeah, good on you. Celebrate it, but move on quickly and get to the next thing. Yeah, and don't get too high and, or too low. And that's a better place to be than just riding the wave all the way up yeah. and, and all the way yeah, down. that's exhausting. But you also, uh, you've also got to be conscious that things will come and go and you have to enjoy them while you have them. So you, you don't want to be numb to it and not allow yourself to to celebrate when things are good are fine happening balance, isn't it because you balance. there's the um the tendency to when you're in that mode to be like oh yeah whatever like another thing went well and people be like oh that's great and you're and because you've got that mindset with that relentless work you're sort of like yeah that's fine but like on to the next thing and then that can end with you sort of never really appreciating things yeah. and getting caught in that um but then on the other side of it if you get too carried away then when it goes wrong you're going to you're going to go to rock bottom as well so it's all yeah and this is just yeah. like i think a balancing act that everyone has to contend with and it's a bit of a quiet one that you go through in your own head and it's not yeah. necessarily all big and dramatic but it's just things that go on in your consciousness every day where you sort of have these little battles with yourself or i certainly feel like i do oh man i, I feel like we've got a very similar psyche there i, I think like you said i i'm what what you said before about actually celebrating things I, I sometimes I, I'd get too nervous to celebrate things because you, you're scared that if you celebrate it, then it'll get taken away. Yeah. So I just sort of move on. But now, you know, my, my partner said to me, she's like, you've got to like sometimes just sit back and go, wow, look what I've been able to do and, and actually just take a step back. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm probably not really good at that because I'm always like, all right, sweet, on to the next thing. Let's, yeah. let's get that sorted. Because you're out. thinking if I do that, then it will stop. <laughs> yeah i'll go backwards yeah. yeah how are you how are you different now to when you were playing do you think um i'm so man i'm so happy like yeah i'm just really really um fulfilled i feel like i have a purpose um and again that's again all these things we talk about it's it's it's, it's a continuum like it's it's always going to be up and down but i feel like at the moment um you know i've I feel like I've got some really um, good skills in place to stay on top of some things that I haven't been able to stay on top of in the past. Um, I know now that all I really want to be, honestly, is just like I, the only person I'm really competing with is myself. And and don't get me wrong, there's other times where I, I, I do look at things, but I go, you know what, bring it back, compete with yourself. Um, and, and something as well that's been really big for me, I saw a while ago, was like this ideal of success. And it was what we thought, uh, what we used to think ideal of success was versus what success is. And it was, you know, this sort of um, pie chart that said, you know, like job title, income and salary. Uh, 
well, they're two things. So I must have said something else, two of them are the same. Uh, and, and then the other one said, you know, like flexibility, work-life balance, uh, you know, for having fun at work, fulfillment, purpose, love, friends, family. And I was like, fuck, you know, I fit, like that is my, what I want now. Like, And I'm so happy that I've got that in a graph that I can keep working. And it's like, well, do I keep working and build something else that I might lose those things? Or I just stay where I am because I'm so happy and like keeping this chart the way I want it to be. So um, that's something that I've really looked at doing. Yeah, so you're very grounded and you've got your own, you're living up to your own version of success rather than the one that we're sold. And I think for me, I would I would say being successful personally is is feeling like you're doing what you want to be doing a lot of the time and that you're contributing something that you feel to be worthwhile and you're generally pretty excited to live your life, that that, that is success. And um, often if we're striving for all the other markers, which you, know, you might still want, I certainly get sucked into that sometimes as well that that can take you further away uh and yeah. then you almost remind yourself like you know going after that stuff has never been something that really motivated me or made me happy and then when i try and do it the others it all gets gets a bit convoluted and then you remember like oh that's sort of all bullshit but you still again you have to watch yourself because you'll get sucked you into it, it. I think yeah. you get in living in living in this Western world where it's just constantly put in front of you and it's in your unconscious mind and um, you know the more you sort of grow up and I, I'm big for trying to not compare myself to anyone and just wish everyone the best and let them get on with what they're whatever they're doing but you're still not always aware of how you're being wired and what's influencing you and what's getting into your brain and uh, yeah it's just it's just, it's all it's a bit massive, slippery man. you gotta you just it gotta is, watch it, it all no there's yeah. so many things you said there that i can definitely relate to and i think it does just come back to those habits in your brain of thinking like correcting yourself on things it's like oh what's this person doing they're doing this it's like actually no don't worry that doesn't actually matter that has no no reflection on me at all it's like oh but these people they're on channel seven they're doing broadcasting on tv yeah. I don't actually want to work on TV, so why would I be worried about that? Yeah, I'm happy yeah. just doing my own thing. Yeah, so, and um, that and yeah, that being right. able to ground yourself and remember that, and and not have the reason, you know, not lose sight of why you started doing it or what you love about it, and have it let it be twisted and changed into something else. Because also, the more successful it gets, you know, talking about your show, where it's one of the biggest ones in Australia, and I know you're you're a humble guy, but obviously it's going well, and you're getting quite a bit of. Uh, publicity around it and people love it which is i know that's great because that's well you started it because you, you wanted to show a different side to these guys that you know uh and because you just you just love the art of uh, podcasting and having these chats but it's always great to see things doing well and have people listening to it because you any anyone who's a content creator just wants more and more people to find out about it but then uh you'd have to also be conscious of not getting not letting it go to your head, even though it's such a thing that you wouldn't let that happen for you would have thought. But the ego starts being like, "Oh, I'm the, I'm the best podcaster," or Dylan's yeah. like, "Yeah, he's the guy with that number one show." And then before you know it, if you don't watch that, then you start turning into something you don't want to be as well. So, oh man, uh, you, you've got me in a good week because this I, this literally happened to me the other day. You know, I'd, I'd been sitting at number one on on Spotify for a while. And in your head as well, you catch yourself out. You go, yeah, I'm number one. Cool. I'm yeah. the biggest podcast. It's great. <laughs> the other day, I was like, 
I'm number two. Like, <laughs> that's that's not good enough. Like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, what, what, like, why are you so shit now? Like, you're a loser. You're number two. And I was like, then I was just like, well, what, what the fuck? Like, that doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with anything. Like, yeah. it doesn't even matter what's going on. But yeah, you're right, man. I think we've said it 15, 16 times. Like, you've just got to keep correcting yourself, bringing yourself back to what's important. Yeah. Um, look, I'd be lying if I said that. I don't want to be the best because I do. Like, you want to be the best, but I'm not trying to be the best to beat everyone. I'm trying to be the best to do what I want to do, if that yeah. makes sense. And, yeah. And I, it comes back to me as a person, and, and maybe this isn't as an athlete thing, and an athlete isn't just sports people, an athlete is anyone who likes to compete, but I am a very competitive person. Like, I, it, not just in this. I'm a competitive person when I'm competing with my sister or, uh, you know, playing table tennis. I'm competitive, whether it's drinking with my mates on the weekend. I, I just am, anything I do, I'll try and turn it into a competition. So would it, is it, I'm not lying to think that um, those things, they don't matter, but I do still, I am competitive and I still want to be the best I can be. Yeah, I get that. What are you most grateful for? Oh, man, I'm so, I, I honestly am, like, I feel like I am the luckiest person in the world. Like, I do actually feel like that. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind. Like, I have the most incredible family. My partner is like, I. if anyone has a partner like mine, like, I just, I don't know if they do. I feel like she's one of a kind. Um, I've, you know, born up, brought up in beautiful people. I've, so, I've had so many opportunities. Um, I've met some, I've got such good friends. Um, I've been able to work a job and, and learn what I want to do next. I've been able to meet incredible people. Um, I've been able to have a platform of a podcast where people actually listen to and they enjoy and they learn from it. Um, I'm healthy, man. I'm, I'm alive. Like, fuck, I just don't know what else like to say. Like, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I'm pretty grateful. I'd say it that way. And one thing I've learned about gratitude that I've really learned um, a good way about doing it, I'm sure you'd be all over this, is obviously Hugh Van Kallenberg's really good at, at gratitude. Um, and I've read his book, but there was something that I learned about gratitude the other day, and it was a, a really good exercise to find out about how you're great, grateful. And it's like, think of one thing you're grateful for, and I, I just did it then. And then you think, why do I have that thing? And then you actually end up discovering like 45 other things that you're grateful for as well. So like, you might think, I'm grateful for my job. It's like, well, why, why do you have that job? Because you had an education, you worked really, really hard, and you got a great uh great interview and you got the job you have great colleagues you enjoy it fantastic it it gives you an income to then buy things that you want to buy you can live in australia you can say anyway yeah i can go on about this stuff forever man but i it's, i think it's a really good exercise you're a good man deal <laughs> lastly like what are you loving about your show honestly it's just like the community man like the community that i've been so lucky to be able to build and, and the people that listen to the show um it's you know some people that message in and and um and say you know i listen to this and i know you've spoken to hugo tuvi before um on your show but having someone on like hugo tuvi and then someone message you saying oh my god um i went and got my testicles checked the other day i had this had the surgery done wow like if i didn't listen to that who wouldn't know what would happen now that has nothing to do with me that's Hugo's story but i was lucky enough to have someone like that on my platform that therefore someone listens to that can change their life or someone like hugh van kallenberg on that People go and read his book and they learn something new from that. So I think just the opportunity to, one, selfishly sit down and learn these things because I actually have no idea about them and I'm just learning as much as what the audience is. 
and two, the fact that there's actually people that want to come on the ride with me. The amount of support that they've given me, I feel indebted to life to just keep providing them and working as hard as I can to, to keep doing it. So, um, yeah, there's probably a million things there, but I think the biggest one is just the incredible Dylan Friends community that I've been able to um, to have and the people that support the show and, and people like yourself, mate, to even to reach out and to, to be a part of a show like yours where... You know, I, I, I felt a little bit embarrassed. You know, I've listened to your podcast before. It's absolutely incredible. And to hear some of the stories that you've had on uh, are truly life-changing. And, um, yeah, just to even, you know, be considered to come on to a show like this, it means the world. Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, I think you've got a, a great story too. Massive respect to you and just love to see people doing their thing and um, really trying to put their best foot forward and create something that's to the benefit of everyone i think that's sort of integral to to us as as human beings and doing the best that we can do so uh yeah great to uh connect with you man and just keep keep going and, and pushing it because you're certainly uh someone who inspires me oh man that, that warms the heart and right back at you brother you're doing incredible things if you're a fan of the work we're doing or have a suggestion for the show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. You can follow Youngblood Men's Health Matters on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and visit our website youngbloodmedia.com.au to stay up to date. And most importantly, if this conversation resonated with you, share it with someone you love and start a conversation of your own. A huge thank you to our local business supporters who've joined our mission to change the lives of young men for the better and help make this possible. We're all in it together. This is Youngblood. Thanks for being part of the mission. Catch you next time.